in Hebrews chapter 11 in our daily reading. That's what I want to reference and read uh, up until Abraham's life and then close us on the cloud of witnesses. Uh, I want to thank everyone in all the Jubilee. I'd love to, uh, wow. Um, when, wow. I'm, I'll wait on that. There's something brewing over there that I want to give God the, the glory over and speak into that. But just, it's, when the heart of, you know, it, Jesus, Jeremiah was the one who said, you know, you will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. And wholehearted devotion, wholehearted worship is, is just that. It's wholehearted. It's intentional. And it's, it's more than what do I need to do just to get by. It's what can I do to get all the way in. And you are a people of that jubilee, and I thank you. We are not just a Bible-believing church, but as, as of Wednesday, we will have completed Bible reading of the whole New Testament. And that has changed my life forever. I mean, I've always read the Bible, but because I'm reading now through the Bible, not just as topics that I want to learn in the Bible, I'm reading the whole Bible. And unfortunately, there's a lot in the Bible I don't want to read. They're not topics I'm interested in, or they're convicting and they're overwhelming, but then they bring me back to Jesus. So my life's being changed. And praying into how we will continue that, because beginning Thursday, we will start again through the New Testament, but in a different fashion. So please be praying. Uh, it'll, on Wednesday, we'll make sure we send it out uh, through the Secret Place email list. If you're not on that, just go on the website. You can register very quickly, and then we can um, continue that because it's the, the Bible reading that starts establishing uh, a, a, uh, a conversation, a language of faith, a language of, of, of truth that the Holy Spirit then has the body to work with to speak from that body of truth, and that becomes the rhema word. The logos is the entirety. The logos is your Bible. The rhema is the author of the Bible reading aloud, and you hear his voice, and you go, I heard truth, that's mine, I'm picking it up, and that's rhema. And the two go hand in hand, but without the logos, you lose the opportunity for rhema. So I'm, I'm very encouraged to that. I thank you for men, for, for now we're almost at our second year where we have came, came together and said, we're going to pray one hour a day, five days a week. That's, no, that's not anything that's easy to do in this culture of fast-paced, demanding work schedules and, and opportunity, but that practicing, bringing a believing heart with a confessing mouth, and so I ex exercise the path, the path of salvation every day. Then I, with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God, there becomes this, uh, this transformation and glory and encounters and giving him that hour. Appreciate that. Thank you for opening coming and being a part of the sanctuary and giving this house to be a house of prayer for all nations and that day of prayer and fasting on Wednesdays. Now, you may not be fully in, involved in all that. I Many will become more involved. But the fact that you open your heart and say, I'm okay with that. It's kind of a weird church, but I'm okay with that. They think prayer means something and, and that Bible will, itself will change things. And, but I'm all with that. And, and you're practicing it. And that permission is the door that opens for God to do more than we are able to expect at the moment. So I want to pray. Father, I just...
very grateful to Jesus for who you are, and I'm thankful that in our reading, here we are in Hebrews 11, such a powerful book, such a powerful uh, collection of truth around faith and what you have accomplished through the verb of faith in so many lives over time. Would you, Holy Spirit, know, come to us? We're in the midst of this cloud of witnesses. We're hearing of them today as we read, but then we're in a race that we ourselves have been given, the one we find ourselves in. And we ask that you today, through the word of God, will cause us to grow with our endurance and be like Jesus, to keep our eyes on you, Jesus, like you kept your eyes on Father, to, to uh, endure the cross, and we'll endure whatever is in front of us that we have to pick up and carry with us. And we will despise its shame. We will not let the circumstances of the earth define who we are, but the truth of God's word to tell us who we are. And we will anticipate, just as you did, there's a joy set before us, and it will be seated at the right hand of you, Lord, as you are seated next to the Father. Would you activate from the youngest in the room to the oldest our journey with you? May we hear your voice calling us. May we not shrink back from the things in front of us, but may we just press on into the fullness of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 11, we've gone through the 10 chapters. We've been meditating. We had Larry Napier. He's online again if you want to on demand Wednesday giving us an overview but Hebrews 11 is now all of that we've learned of who Melchizedek all that we've seen that God has established through Jesus Christ and his resurrection his ascension and now being placed with an oath to be a high priest forever and the righteous king and the king of peace all of that now is because of we are called into that faith because chapter 10 begins by saying, let's practice what we have access to, and then let's hold our impatience and not lose what we've taken hold of, because God's looking for patience when he returns. He's looking for ex you know, a confident expectation. So Hebrews 11 begins by saying, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Substance is used two other times in the book of Hebrews. One is in chapter 1, verse like 3, where it says he is the uh, uh, express person, express image of the person. He's the brightness of his glory and the exact representation. It's a substance. He's the person, Jesus. It's also used in chapter 3 where it says that we are partakers if we hold fast our rejoicing and confidence until the end. The word confidence. So we are people to live in hope. We are always to have more hope than our faith is currently being able to bring into experiential touching. Hope is, hope is the dynamic of life. You lose hope, you quit living, you quit moving with anticipation. We're even saved by hope, Romans 8 says. But hope needs this confidence that comes in the sound of God's voice and the faith that is given. And when that faith is given, then the hope Hope is given substance, and also it's the evidence that what we do not see is, re is real and will be, will be manifest, and it will be as it said. So faith and hope, they are, they're so much apart, and yet Jesus is the reason for all hope because he can take every one of our lives and turn it into the fullness of what he ordained for us to be, the Father, he, and the Holy Spirit ordained for us before time began. Nothing is without beyond his authority, his, his reach. 
So all of a sudden we're saying, don't limit your life to where you are. And don't look at where you are as a limit to where God will take you and what he's going to accomplish with you. Because faith has an amazing capacity to give us understanding out of the realm of the natural, out of the scientific world. We hear so much about the scientific world, which is the analysis of how things are in creation, how they function, so forth and so on. But the next verse says, by, for it by the elders obtained a good testimony. God wants our life of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We live by faith. We're justified by faith. The just will live by faith. So we live by faith, not by sight. That's how you get a good report, good testimony. By faith, we understand, verse 3, that the worlds were framed. That's the times and ages, not just the, the, geo, you know, the geography of the planet. It's the time and ages were framed, which are put together, held together, mended together by the word. Here it's the spoken rhema of God so that things which are seen, everything we can see with the natural, were not made of things which are visible. So that's, that's huge. So when God looks at you and me and he says, I'm going to do this, believe me, I want you to hold that word I spoke. I want that hope to stay alive. We look at ourselves and we go, well, I don't see how you could do it with me. He, he, he's not looking to us to do it with. He's looking to himself to do it with. He's looking from within himself. He will bring out of the invisible the natural. So we learn a, a, a lesson that's constantly being required of us. Faith does not move by what I see. It's moved by who's speaking to me and by my judging him faithful. So that is the growth that faith demands. That's why whenever God speaks, he allows circumstances to challenge what he says. Because if, if, if what he said then was immediately transformed, transformed into a circumstantial exchange, there would be no faith. But faith is where we learn to say, I believe what I'm hearing is more real and true than what I'm seeing and feeling and experiencing. Has anybody had a chance to believe like that? Right? We're all getting that chance. So he goes and he says, you don't have to be afraid. I don't work with what you have. I work with who I am. I don't work with what you've got. I work with my ability to call anything out of any place into what I want it to be, including yourself. No matter where you've been, no matter what's happened, and where you've been placed. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts that though he being dead still speaks. So Cain and Abel, brothers, Cain, the oldest, Abel, the youngest, at a process of time, brought offerings. Uh, Cain brought his tithe, his, his, just his, he, was a, he was a farmer, Abel took care of livestock, and he offered a, a sacrifice of a, of a, of a goat, a, a young lamb. We don't know exactly, but we know that God looked upon Abel, Cain, Abel's sacrifice, said, I accept that. That, that. that took faith. You had to kill something in order for me to receive something. Funny about the Lord, a lot of times he says, I, I, it's going to need to cost you something more than just what you glean from the, from the life that you're living. It's going to cost something precious. Any case, God showered Abel with acceptance. And Cain was like, wait, that's not fair. 
and began the, the, the sibling rivalry of the rest of eternity. That's not fair. Why do you accept him? So God has to say to Cain, Cain, if you do, if you learn the way I want you to live, then you'll be accepted just as the way I've accepted Abel. But if you don't, sin's waiting to take possession of you. It's right at your door, and it wants to rule you. So that was a charge to deal with his heart and return to God and humble himself like every man is required. Lord, how do I bring an acceptable offering to you? What are your requirements of my life? What do you want when I come and approach you? He didn't do that. He did what has been sown into the earth and still is running havoc in the world today. He said, I will eliminate my competition. I will take away the one who has something so that I who don't will feel better. He let envy and jealousy just go to, go to root, and he kills his brother. The, I mean, talk about God. He's got confidence. I mean, the first family is a wreck. Kills his brother. And then God says to Cain, hey, where, where's your brother? He says, I'm, what am I, my brother's keeper? He said, well, I hear his blood crying. I hear the soul of his blood crying out from the earth. And so here we are. Abel still speaks, even though he was, his life was uh, prematurely ended and would have been by this time anyway. By faith, Enoch. Now, Enoch is the seventh generation of, Abra, of Adam and Eve. It says, by faith, he was taken away so he did not see death. Literally, he was translated into heaven. He didn't, and he went straight up. And he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. When you go to Genesis and you're reading, I think, chapter 5, chapter 6, and you read his life, you'll say that Enoch walked with God. He made a decision somewhere in this, his seventh, that seventh generation of mankind. He said, I'm going to walk with you, Lord. I want to spend time with you. I want to understand you. My great, 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 great grandfather, Adam, used to walk with you every day in the cool of the garden. I know we're not there now, but I'm going to do whatever I can do to walk with you. And so he, he pursued a relationship, and God began to receive him because he pleased God. And he, why did he please God? Verse nine, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what's so special about who we are in our practicing our faith. Faith is a verb. It's an action word. It's not a noun. It's an action. And so he, he pleased God because he said, I'm come, I, I believe you are. And I believe there's more of you than I've got. And I believe if I go after you, I'll find you. And I believe if I find you, I'll find a reward with the finding you. And that was, that was Enoch's posture. That's our posture, isn't it not? Isn't it why you get up and you spend your time in the Word and pray and you, you, we come and we pursue the Lord? Because he's telling us, come, come. I want to I do something that you've never had to happen in your life that I've always dreamed would happen and declared it would happen before time began. Let it happen. And we go, okay, I'm coming with you. So I have a simple picture that Enoch spent so much time with the Lord that one day the Lord said, you know, Enoch, you spend more time with me than you do the rest of the earth and its creation. Why don't, we just, why don't you just stay? I'm just gonna, I'd, like, I'd like your company to come up and be with me. And he just left. His body left. He didn't even die. So never think that God's limited by whatever's limiting everything that's limiting everything. 
He's way beyond anything because he's the one, he's the creator, the redeemer, the mighty one. So without faith, it's impossible to please him because we got to believe he is. The two pillars of faith is I believe you are. I mean, otherwise, why do I lift up my head and look at the ceiling and lift up my arms and sing with all my might? Am I singing to the, you know, to, to the beams? I'm singing to God. I'm expecting. I, I, I'm, I'm doing it because he's really hearing me. I know he's real. I believe he is. And I believe he rewards me when I seek him. So I will not let my flesh say, shut up, sit down, be quiet. What has God done for you recently? Does he deserve that kind of praise? I, I engage. We were re- listening to Psalms with our two uh, grandsons. We were talking about Psalms are so powerful because when we face a problem, we are not to try to make ourselves strong. But if we start to make God strong, then God's strength comes into us. If we make God great, then God's greatness starts showing up for us. So we were created from the beginning and now recreated even more so in the likeness that we are dependent on grace. Every part of life happens because of grace. And grace is what God is establishing, sending his, his salvation through grace. And, and so we begin to go, Lord, you are, you are a healer. You're, you're a health. You're my deliverance. You're my victory. You're my triumph. You're my... And every time we declare he is this, he begins to say, well, because I am this for you, I will have to be that for you. I'll have to show up like that. And you'll find it first in your spirit, don't you? You First in your heart, you go, I think I believe this again. Yesterday, I, I ran out of believing, but today I'm believing again. Because faith is now. Faith doesn't work tomorrow, and it doesn't work from yesterday. It works from the moment. But that's why it's always a constant returning to and being involved. So now, watch this one. By faith, Noah. Hey, Noah. We're going to talk about your namesake. By faith, Noah. Now, think about this young man. But He was a little older. He was a few hundred years. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. God talks about things that we don't even see as though they already are. He, he calls things that don't exist as though they do. He gives life to the dead. So the... So the place that we're living in because we have access to live in the holiest of places through Jesus Christ, our high priest, his blood, his new and living way, we start to step up into these possibilities beyond even what's been written. We're going to see things. But I just want to get into what's being written. Because he said he was not, he was moved with godly fear. He was warned about things that weren't seen. And he went and prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So to put it in a quick perspective, the earth does not have rain. In the garden and before the flood, the water, the earth was watered by a mist that came out of the ground. It was self-caring. It was just beautiful until the ark hit, until the flood came, access changed, the flood destroyed everything. It looks like it took 100 years for Noah to build an ark. So how would you like to be not just the builder of an ark, but you're the one who's having to declare, what are you building there, Noah? Well, I'm building a boat, an ark, here in the middle of the whatever, landscape. There's no water. How are you going to get in the water? 
Rain is coming. What's rain? What's rain? We've never had a flood. We've never seen anything. There's never been a flood. All everything is sustained by this mist. No, he, it's coming. It's coming. And so he was mocked, and so he was ridiculed, but he kept his, he was on task to what he was being told that was creating an image of what was not yet seen, but God was speaking from what was not yet seen as though it was. And so when he enters the ark, the day God says, get the animals, and then he, they, they claim in, they get seven of, of, of the clean animals and two of the unclean. God wanted to keep the earth in its content, but he always likes to stack the deck in our favor. Yeah. Praise God. Plus, he was hoping for a sacrifice after the end of it so that he could re-engage the faith of this new generation. Any case, he comes in the ark. Everybody's in. They go in the ark. God shuts the door. Noah didn't shut the door. Noah couldn't open the door. The door shut. For the next six days, they're just sitting there. Just sitting there. I loved it. I went to ORU, and they had an exhibit about Noah's Ark, and they made it very lifelike. And they brought to attention. You go inside, the door shuts, and you start hearing the mockery of people behind. Hey, Noah, what are you doing in that ark with all those animals? How are you doing? How's the water in there? <laughs> you know, it's just, but then the rain comes. And now the pounding on the door. And there's no opening the door because he couldn't shut, he didn't shut it. He can't open it. And so this whole movement to being able to be moved with the godly fear when no one else is afraid because God's speaking from a place that no one else is living from. But you're now accessing something that's his and he has no space or time, you know, restraint. So he will come alive about something that may be uh, 10 years from now, but you will know it is tomorrow. So now the last person just to touch on, because Noah did a, a fabulous thing in just saying, I'm going to go for it. I want to say something to your family. Just stay right there, because you, I saw Sophia walking while we were worshiping. I saw Ethan stretching his, hand, his head over to see his sister. And I heard the Lord say, look, this is how I bring about my miracles of life. Because I always give eyes to see something that I ha haven't yet been done. And once I begin to see it, I can do it because I see it. And I felt the Lord say, you, your prayers over your son will be fulfilled just as you saw them. And the Lord is releasing the joy of Sophia and her exploring the world and taking it on. And Ethan's looking at there and going, you know what, sister, you better slow down because I'm coming after you. You better speed up because I'm on after you. So uh, we just bless you. That's the life of faith. That's the life of faith. And God bless you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. So, Abraham, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. Doesn't that sound like some of our lives? Hey, follow me. Okay, why? Well, I've got an inheritance for you. I'm going to bless so many people through you. Okay, I'm after you. Where are we going? 
oh, you don't need to know that right now. Just follow me. And, and then have encounters with me throughout each journey. And by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. He never owned anything but his grave, dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob, and heirs with him of the same promise. This is, this is something we're, we're having feeling again. Rufus, we were a part of this, the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob generation, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the same tents. And I, ch- I did the genealogy, counted the, counted the ages of people, and I found out that Jacob lived with his grandpa Abraham till he was 15. And then Abraham, that's when Abraham passed. And so you have the story. I can understand why Jacob said, I want, I want what my grandpa had. I heard the stories of my grandpa walking with God and the encounters he had, the things that happened to my father Isaac and what. I want that. Meanwhile, Esau was his father's dream. Isaac was his dad. He loved him because he hunted and he was just a man's man and brought him good food. But he didn't understand the value of this, of his grandfather's pursuit. And so it skipped a generation, and Jacob's going, I've got to have this. I just want this. Because he heard the stories of his grandpa. Because Jacob didn't go and hunt. He sat in the house and, and helped his mom cook. And Abraham would be sitting there going, hey, can I tell you a story about the time God told me to take your son, your dad, and take him on a mountain and give him as on a burnt offering? Sure. And faith was coming. Value was coming. Interest. So he, he works his way into a position that was not his. The firstborn had the right to both the heirship and the blessing. But he ends up with both. So Abraham, back to the whole story. He waited for the city. He waited for the city, which has foundations and builder and a maker of God. I hope we're all waiting for that city. I hope you're waiting for that city. There's some things that are never going to show up in this life that are what we're anticipating. By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed when she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. You have to understand, Sarah was barren. The Bible tells us that. Her confession in Genesis 16 is to Abraham after he's had an encounter with God Most High and has seen the stars as his children, he says, you'll need to go into my maid, Haggai, because God has restrained me from having children. So her confession of faith was that God had made her barren. Now, 13, 14 years later, God speaking outside her tent says, by this time next year, I'm going to visit Sarah and she'll have a child. And she starts laughing. How can I ever bring the kind of comfort and and joy to myself or to my husband? I'm so past that. And he said, well, why did you laugh? Is there anything too hard for me? And she's like, I would. She lied right up. No, I didn't laugh. Wasn't me. I wouldn't laugh at all. I'm a woman of faith. I don't laugh when I hear God speak. He said, no, you laugh, but it doesn't matter. You're not going to get this because you're a righteous man. But by the end of the next, within the next two months, your husband's going to lie all about you too. So we're just doing this by faith now. So it says she judged him faithful who had promised. That's why we, I take my time to pray so I can have a confession of hope that's worthy of the Lord who saved me. 
I take my time to pray so I can hold a confession of hope that's worthy of the Lord who saved me. I want to bring to remembrance the things I've heard God say and say, I believe what you say is true and I anticipate you doing them. And that creates a capacity that's the, the Enoch capacity to walk with God. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, was born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. The next time you get a chance to be outside the city lights, look to the stars and try to count them. The next time you're at the ocean and look at that sand, just take your hand, pick up, just pick up a little handful and just try to see if you could even estimate how many you know, grains of sand are there. And this is what came out of two people as good as dead, because at the time it came, Abraham had to deal with his, I had a hope, and it was really solid, and I had it worked out. Ishmael will be the heir. Ishmael, we had some rocky starts, but I think he's going to be what God promised would come about. And now God said, nope, sorry, let it go, start over. And then Sarah's having to go, I don't, I couldn't help before, now I doubly can't help, but if you say so, if you say so, if you say so. So these all died in faith. Listen to that. These all died in faith. The, Abram had more promises. Abraham, when he, his name was changed, and by the time he passed, had more promises to be fulfilled than had been fulfilled. God does not even get into the oath of from his seed will come the child, Jesus until he offered up Isaac on the Mount Moriah. Every promise uttered out of the voice of God has an infancy. It is a seed. It begins to grow. It takes root. We have encounters. It's confirmed. Over time, it becomes a story that will outlast our life, outlast who we, will, who we could ever possibly be. So they died in faith. They received the promises. Now hear this. I received the promise. They saw them afar off. Won't that be a day? It's good right now in the times we're living in to look forward to the day when the lamb and the lion lay next to each other. When the little child puts her hand, puts her hand in a cobra's nest with no fear of being bitten. When the, when the, the war, weapons of war turn back into harvest instruments. It's good to see that, because that's afar off. They were assured of them. That's why we want to learn to read the Bible and pray the Bible and become watchmen and learn a vocabulary that is not currently present outside in the visible world that we're, we're interchanging with, but to come into the inside and to hear him. Because you start to become assured of them. Jesus, Jesus just walked with his father. Can, will you help me? Because I wanted to show this. Let me see if I can just close this before. Uh, for those who say such things, declare. Oh, wait, back up. So there are four, four things of faith that may, will outlast us. First, the promise will go beyond us. There, we can see them afar. We become assured of them. We embrace them. We confess that we are strangers and pilgrims. The promise of God takes us into his nature and takes us out of the fallen nature. The promises of God take us into eternity and out of the temporary. 
And they, they are, we receive them, we see them, we become assured of them, we then embrace them, and we confess, not that they're going to be here today, we confess, I'm, you know, I'm more of a stranger on the earth than I, I, I'm a part of it. How many feel like that? I start feeling that way. I'm more of a stranger. I'm a pilgrim. I'm passing through. And, and so it says, for those who say such things, declare plainly that they're seeking a homeland. So all that the world has to offer and all that life we hope will bring, there's more than what we could ever ab obtain or have access to in this life because we're spirit creations. We're life-giving spirits in Christ. That's our conformity that's happening. But truly, they called, if they'd called to mind, now hear this because this is that part of the struggle all the time. If they'd called to mind, that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. The lesson of faith is that if I ever start thinking back about how the good old days and how it used to be, and I wish I wouldn't have, and I, oh, if I only had. Like the Israelites going, you know, when we lived in Egypt, it was, yeah, it was kind of tough, but we got to eat all this wonderful food. And if you start thinking that way, you'll think that way to the point when the, finally, in Numbers 14, when they're ready to kill Moses, and go, and go back to Egypt, they're saying, you know, you've done nothing to bring us any kind of salvation. And then when they're 40 years later, they're about to enter in. Now they have a story that says, you took us out of Egypt, the land of, that flowed with milk and honey. So your mind is really squirrely if it doesn't keep being focused to the truth and to the eternity and in this place of God where you go, no, I'm not, uh -uh, no, no, I don't want to go back. For now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared a city for them beloved we are being brought into oneness with christ that we already are established by what he what was accomplished but now we're learning to accept and begin to practice and learn to live there and that's why we pray and that's why we learn because we start to be influenced now, i'm going to show a quick little illustration i keep seeing in my mind of the, the power of prayer and the power of praying together and the power of truth. So come with me for a moment, and I'm going I'm to come down here. Imagine you came in on a Wednesday, and if you came in on a Wednesday at 6 in the morning, we take these chairs around, and we, we move them around. Like we, we have one chair we put here. This is the watcher's chair. This was, so we knew we'd have one person in the, in, the, in the room, and the person on this chair had really doesn't... They're driving a car that's mostly automatic, but then there's opportunity to pull it and redirect it, and, and we have simple, simple things that, that make things work, and we'll share those all on Wednesday. But what would happen, and this you have to understand, this is the practicing that Jesus learned and lived, and we're learning to practice with him. So we'll, we'll say Nick's here, Brian's here, and I'm here. There's three of us. And... I want to learn to hear Jesus like Jesus heard the Father. I want to learn to do what Jesus did like Jesus did what the Father did. I want to be Jesus unctioned. I want to move by his voice. I want to be led by him. And I'm doing all that I can to do that, but it's not enough to will for that or to desire it or, to, or even practice it. I need the substance that enables me to do that. So Jesus would spend time with his Father. Now, he was a one-man 
show because he was the one man to do what no one else could ever do. So he did not depend upon others. He, in fact, he couldn't tell others everything about what was going on because that wasn't the place of agreement. His place was agreement with God. So he would spend time every morning and throughout the day, and he would be listening. It was first showed up when he was 12 years old, and he was in the, in, uh, the temple. And his parents went home back up to Nazareth, and they didn't know that Jesus was still in the temple because you traveled in caravans, you know, family cars. And was three days, four days later, they, they finally get back to Jerusalem and realize, where have you been? And he says, do you don't understand? I must be in my father's house. Why would you be searching for me anywhere else? This is where I'm supposed to be, in my father's house. So Jesus learned to do what he saw the father do, hear what the father, say what he heard the father say, and he grew that sound. And we, each of us in our practice of prayer learn that. And, and are learning that, especially if we will take the Bible, because the honest truth is, this is truth. Anything that isn't in this is a lie. Man-made, man-fabricated. It's taking natural things to create a new natural thing, but this is, this is spirit and life. If you just read the book, you don't even have to understand it. You're healed, helped, delivered, strengthened. Just someone, just, that's why it's just powerful. You take that. Then we're not just left here because when Jesus, before he left, he said, now here's, here's the deal. I've got to go because if I don't go, I, the Holy Spirit doesn't come. And it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit than me here. First, I have to pay the price for the Holy Spirit to come because I have to become the sacrifice. Then I have to be raised from the dead. And then when I'm glorified, I will consent the Holy Spirit who will glorify me. So now we have the Holy Spirit like Jesus did. We have the truth, and we have the Holy Spirit, and we're practicing, and we're giving God our time. And, and I said this on Wednesday, so, Sunday, and I'll say it again. There's, these are two dynamics of prayer, and both should be employed in order to benefit fully. Practicing to hear God by yourself is a very important thing because that's my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they will follow me. To, to hear is to be known. And to be known is not to be empowered to follow. Because to be here, to hear, I, his, his voice will start to in, call for me to believe what I don't believe, yield where I can't yield, trust what I don't know how to trust, and I start to surrender so I can follow. So that's, that's what's happening. But now, uh, in this setting, Jesus made a promise before he left in Matthew 18. He says, if you will agree upon anything you touch, it will be done for you. Anything, just touch anything, come into agreement, and, I'll, and, I'll, and heaven will make sure it happens on earth. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm in on that. And he says, why? Well, how, how would that happen? He says, because wherever two or three of you gather together in my name, I'm right there in the midst of you. So Nick's over there praying, Brian's praying, I'm praying. We try to practice using the scripture as the, found, the foundation for prayer. So most people will read the scripture. And so Brian reads a scripture that I hadn't thought about in 12 years. And I go, oh my gosh, that sounds like today. And then he prays a prayer from the scripture that, in, 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 that releases his heart in humility and acceptance of truth. And I go, I see that. And, and I'm, by that time, I'm thinking of scripture that that scripture leads me to. And thank God, you, we have phones that have concordances. 
their apps. You just type in a few phrases and you'll be at that scripture. Now I'm right in there and I'm all excited. I can't wait to pray. But Nick has already been ahead of me. And he's reading a scripture and I'm going, oh, Lord, that's two witnesses to a truth that you're establishing right here in the midst of us. And how does that happen? Jesus is in the midst of us. He's in the midst of us. Holy Spirit. See, he's in the middle of me, in my heart, but now he's in the midst of us. And I believe that God is preparing the functional body of Jesus Christ to come so alive that there's, there's this awareness. You know what? Nothing outside says what we're about to say, but everything inside is declaring that this is about to happen out of the basis of truth, out of the basis of the witness of the Holy Spirit, out of the experience of what's happening, and we begin to come up with a chorus, a chorus, a chorus, a sound, a, a harmonizing sound. And we begin to be saying, oh, the Lord is great. And it, always, it, it just always turns back about Jesus, and it always always works when it's praise to Jesus and it always comes off of our ability and it's all about his ability but it's just it's just happening so my praying together and my praying alone create a capacity for the many multiple many membered body to just start doing things that we could never do by ourselves want to try just stand up with me we'll try it on Wednesday but but I just want to pray a simple prayer I want you to, I just really want you to enjoy the things that bring life. Jesus Christ is life, but, but you access him through these disciplines that God gave us to follow, that he himself practiced so that we can ourselves abound. And I think he's ready to just, you know, bless us. So if you'll just lift up your hands, just as you would to adore your master, your love, your life, your Lord, just to adore him. I praise you, my Lord. We worship you. You're my everything. Just use your mouth for a moment and, and praise him. Praise Jesus. Praise him for his submission to the Father to be willing to be our sacrifice for our sin. Praise him that he didn't come off the cross when they mocked him and said, prove that you're the Son of God by doing so. Praise him that he became sin and that, not shrink away from being abandoned and forsaken by God as he became the judge of sin upon him. Praise him that he trusted that God was able to pull him out of death and call him into sonship. Praise him that he ascended on high and has sat at the right hand of the Father. Praise him that he is healed and saved and delivered. And because he is healed and saved and delivered, so are we. So are we. So are we. Praise him that life flows from the Son, that his words are spirit and they are life. Praise him. Praise you for his mercy that's new every morning. His mercy's new every morning. His mercy's new every morning. Praise him for the mercy that he is extending. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him that we are called to be a house of prayer for all nations, a house where the Father habitates and life flows out of. Praise him. Praise him. You're never too old to come into your future. You're never too old to come into what God ordained. Praise him. Praise him that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that's in us. Praise him. Jesus, I ask that you would, by your spirit, call forth your sons and daughters, each of us, to our next assignments. 
to our place of agreement. Oh, God, I want to learn the art of agreement. Places I've let it slip. When I let your word slip and I don't agree with your word, I lose the greatest advocate and strength and freedom that I would, could forfeit. Oh, praise you that their power of agreement with my brothers and sisters, not about policies and doctrines, but about truth that's coming as proclamations and declarations from the living God. Praise you. Lord God, I ask that you refresh anointing this, this coming season, this next year we're entering into in Rosh Hashanah, and then in uh, Yom Kippur, the atonement, and then Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Oh, Lord, praise you for what you're doing. Now, just listen for a moment. Ask the Lord, is there any way, any part of my walk with you that you would like to call me up on? You know, an Enoch moment. Would you like to walk with me on an, another level? Or you, or, or Jesus, the shepherd moment. I want to call you. I'm calling you. Follow me. I need to know you here. Mm. It's the greatest, greatest thing that can ever happen to a man or a woman or a child is to hear the voice of the Lord and say yes and then struggle through the following after and grow in the extended, grow in the understanding. You know, we don't always know what we're supposed to do. We can just hear this kind of sense of seek my face. And your heart says, I'm going to seek your face. I don't know what that means. Leave your, leave your family and follow me in this direction. I'm leaving, but I don't know where I'm going. Go walk with me. Spend time with me. I want to have walks with you. Okay, I'll have walks with you too. But I don't get it. It's, how, do I, how do I walk with an invisible God? How do, I, how do I please someone I can't see? Just stuff like that. Jesus, come. We want you to have full expression in our lives and access to many places we don't even know how to give you. I know I'm trying to. Lord, bless our prodigals. Not your, they're not even ours. They're yours. You said to go and speak to the east, the west, the north, and the south and say, give them back. Give them back. They're mine. No location can hold my sons whom I have called who I have formed for my glory, created for my glory, formed them and called them. This one last exercise, allow your imagination to put you in the position of fulfilled, answered hope and prayer. See yourself rejoicing at those that you love and care for returning and vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. See yourself hearing the report that finally is stated that what you believe God was said has now indeed been validated. See the welcome of heaven saying, this is one of those whom I'm not ashamed to call my child. They, they think like I think. They act like I think. In fact, see yourself at the, at, in the throne room where we get to sit, and there is the most glad, joyful man in all of creation, heaven, earth, and under the earth. And his name is Jesus. And in his presence is his fullness of joy. And see yourself just being caught up in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Not the joy of our life. The joy of the Lord. The victory. The triumph. And see yourself in the peace 
that causes the sea to become like glass in the midst of upheavals and threats in the presence of the Lord. It's peace that guards the heart and the mind. See yourself all of a sudden looking and finding it hard to count and keep up with all the promises that are being performed and all the words that are coming forth and all the things that are now being said. Say to yourself, oh, blessed be the Lord God. Blessed be the Lord. Now, Lord, would you baptize us with what we see? When we learn to see the unseen, would you cause what we see that's not yet seen to become what we hear you say? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, say simple words with me. Father, I am filled with the Holy Spirit because I believe you raised Jesus from the dead and glorified him at your right hand. And I receive Holy Spirit poured out upon me, filling me with joy and peace and righteousness now, 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 now. <laughs> yeah.